Welcome to the 0400 Podcast, the podcast for dreamers. How you guys doing this morning? Good. Hello. Hello. Coffee kicking in? It is 0409 Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> this is the sound of 4 a.m. Hold on. <sighs> yes, there we go. That's a good sound. One of my favorite sounds right there. No, actually, not one of my favorite sounds, actually. If it's if it's not coming from me, it's quite annoying. True. What What is your favorite sound, Brent? Favorite sound in all the universe? Oh, gosh, man. I would say sleigh bells is pretty good. That is a good one. Yeah. Wow. Not where I was expecting you to go. It's it just it sleigh bells kind of take me to a, a magical place. They ring. Are you listening? <laughs> if I'm hearing them, uh, yeah, sleigh bells. I'll say that. Wind in the. I don't know if that's my favorite sound of all time. Probably just the, the, the sweet timbre of my my wife's voice. Oh, brownie points. Mm. Love it. Yeah. I think for me, it's uh, wind in the leaves. Like if I'm camping and it's really Ooh. windy, and I'm under a tree in a hammock. Mm, that is a good one. Rain on a tent. A distant lawnmower actually no. is quite really quite calming. Huh. Interesting. The ocean's good. Yeah. Any, go any nature. Weirdly calming ones. I mean, for me, it's like my kids laughing, obviously. But that's one of my favorite sounds. But when we're talking about like a weird noise that probably might annoy other people is a distant train. Yeah. Distant mm, train's great, man. Distant. Yeah, but... I lived right near a train you gotta track. You got to quantify distant there because, uh, yeah, I and lived next it was to a like, train track and it mm, was, I got, pro, I got, how far? I, gotta work I, it out. I, guess I still got to work that out. I, I was like eighth of a mile away. Oh, I was, I was, uh, like a hundred feet away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Same in Nashville. Okay. My, yeah. my apartment in the Gulch was like literally my backyard. And bro, they run, cause they roll at night. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it'd be like four in the morning and you hear ding, 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 ding. And then, yeah. okay. So now we're on to the like, least favorite sounds. Right. Uh, that, uh, uh, leaf blowers or weed whackers. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, it's, every time I hear one of those, I'm like, why guys, why we landed on the moon? We can't f find a quieter way to do that. Seriously. Hire Dyson. <laughs> so you can tell I got to work some, some of that out too. <laughs> Least favorite sounds, man. People chewing with their mouths open, mm. smacking. Oh my gosh! Pretty much any sound when you're ASMR. irritable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, O four hundred podcast, the podcast for dreamers. Here we are, uh, and yeah, five minute share time, or let's check in. Yeah, let's check in with with what's uh, what's on the radar today. We can we can do different ways to check in, but um, yeah. This is episode two, by the way. Episode two. Episode two. Exciting. The worst of all the Star Wars films, because I don't count 789 either. Yeah. Well, let's check in this way. How about um, if if you could describe your your life today as in some way, in your, like your internal landscape, mind, body, spirit, as a weather report, what would the weather be like today? What do you think about that? That's pretty good. Dang. That one of them counseling tricks? Maybe. It's a hot summer's day, which it is actually Literally. That. <laughs> it's like really good, beautiful day, clear skies, but it's a little laboring. Yeah. Anything, anything that you want to speak into that? Yeah. There's so many things in progress. So many things I'm juggling right now. And they're all really good. I'm really happy. 
I haven't said that in a while. Come on, dude. I'm really, really happy, but I'm also really tired. Mm. A little bit overwhelmed. But it's all really good things. And I'm starting to see... I'm, I'm starting to manifest things into reality and seeing hard work of years of like progress finally start to get moving. Like the rust starting to get shake, shaken off these opportunities and like things beginning to manifest, which is awesome, but it's more, it's more things to handle. So I'm really grateful, really happy, but also exhausted, mm. which I think is just adulthood. <laughs> Yeah. Anything you need around that. And by the way, I know this sounds like counseling. Uh, it's not, but, but uh, you know, in Spencer, you get this, it's kind of hard not to be who you are. Yeah. And it just happens to be a job too. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I try to be conscientious and self-aware not to do my thing <laughs> a lot, but, uh, it's going to come out sometimes. So, um, I hope that's okay. And if, and if it's not, leave it down in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Feed the algorithm. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah, all the things, man. Ring that sleigh bell. No, I, I'm good. I, I'm good. With who you guys are and the friendship that we have, that's already enough. Mm. So thank you for being you guys, genuinely. Oh. Yeah. You guys are looking at me, so I'll check in. Uh yeah, man. So let's let's see. What is the weather like today? Cowboy hat on top of the headphones. I'm trying to get my look. hat on. Yeah, but I got the. I can't. I'm so frustrated right now because I can't get my my hat on. I got this cool Stetson. I got this cool Stetson, and Ready. I want to wear it. Came in like, man, this is gonna look great on camera. What if I can like <laughs> camera dies? Hold on, let's do this. Hey, look at that. Oh, for the record, uh, this isn't comfortable. For the record, I did not think we were filming today, so I wore it on my own merit. <laughs> um, all right. Weather report, I'll say, I mean, yeah, I'm checking in. Literally, I am watching the sun come up right now from where I'm seated. Uh, and so it's a clear, bright blue day. Uh, and I, there are some kind of thunder clouds in the distance, but not in a bad way. It's kind of exciting. Uh, yeah, that's me. I like it. I have a hard time with this question because I don't have normal thoughts about weather. If that makes any sense. Go with it. My favorite days are gray and rainy. Totally. Mm. So if I, if I were to like, if everything was great, I'd be like, man, today's a rainy day. Today's a rainy day where I can just like be home. Dude, that's your Viking coming out, man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's in your blood. So <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I think like, I don't know. Today, today I'm at the beach but not a nice beach, you know, like a gross beach. Mm. The, I hate a gross beach. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I just now clued into what you're feeling. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just, just, it feels like oppressive almost mm. like the energy of the day. Um, it's not beautiful in a sense. Like, like there's a lot of things about this day that's beautiful, you know, about life every day that's beautiful, but you know, I, I have a funeral today. I'm going to of a friend that, passed away unexpectedly, um, you know, 34 years old, um, really, really incredible, extraordinary human being, um, that I hadn't known him for long, but could tell that, you know, a friendship was developing and, 
uh, died tragically suddenly. Um, and so, and, and interestingly enough, um, you know, he, he, he fell rock climbing and he'd actually invited me on the trip to go with him where this happened. So I couldn't go I had family in town, but I've been thinking all week, you know, just, you know, I could have been there, not, not necessarily to save him or anything, but just, I, I might have been there and it has weighed heavy on my heart this week. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those days that, that has me feeling reflective on, on the nature of life, you know, living this, this was a guy who lived life to the fullest, even though his life was pretty short. Um, and he took every day and seized it, you know? Um, and so I've just been, just been reflecting on that and, and feeling like, like there's so many ways in which we waste our time on frivolity and there's so much to be taken in and experienced and lived in every single day. And so I'm feeling today, interestingly enough, I'm at the beach. It's a gross beach. You know, there's like this, this kind of oppressive weight. Um, you know, people are trying to small talk me and stuff and I just don't want to do that. But there's also like something, something beautiful in the distance. Um, because this is for him he has i have hope you know i have hope um and i feel like the people that are experiencing and going to go to this funeral like we're going to we're going to hear about a life well lived hmm. um and it's going to be encouraging for all of us to you know begin to embody some of the same things that Kyle did so yeah, I, I think that there's a lot, a lot to be said about this day. As far as a weather forecast, it's kind of dichotomous. I don't know, kind of complicated. Yeah. Memento mori, huh? Remember, you will die. It's yeah. like that true realization of yeah a life it's so e- lived. It's so easy to <clears throat> to walk through life with your eyes closed, you know, about about the reality. That Can you, you and everyone that? you love, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like you and everyone you love will die. Well, I mean, what's haunting for me and what's stuck with me is what you said from Dante's Inferno about the people on the cliff. Oh, Purgatorio, Can, Purgatorio, Purgatorio. Sorry. Yeah. Can you go over that story for those who haven't read it? That's yeah. just like that is the picture of how I see those who go through life. And, and can I just check in here first, too, before we get off? Of yeah, yeah. Because sure. I can kind of see where, where we're going here, perhaps. Um, but let me just first, do you need anything around any of that? Man, I, no. Okay. No, I just need to go. I just need to be at the funeral. Got it. You know, and yeah. it's good talking about it. Like, you know, I'm, refl- I'm reflecting. But once again, like, it's tragic, but it's not hopeless, you know. If that makes any sense. I think I can grasp some of that. Mm-hmm. That's deep. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt though. I, I totally did. So I just, no, I, thought that, I think that's important. I don't think you can apologize for interrupting with kindness. Interrupting with kindness. I like that. That's good. Okay. Oh, so go going on to what we were saying just a second ago. Yeah. The, the, analogy that that has stuck with me when you've explained that and i haven't read the book but i think that that 
that would be a wonderful share for those to, to kind of have this analogy sticking with them as well equally. Yeah. Sorry. That was a great transition. Ugh. So Spencer's, you guys can't see this, but Spencer's coming apart currently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think that, and the more we we talk in this podcast, the more, you know, all of you will hear. um, I think that one of the best ways we can learn about ourselves is the great stories. Um, The great narratives that have defined generations. You know, if, if something has been sticking with us, for 2,000 years, 3,000 years, even 100 years, with how much culture changes every year nowadays, especially if something still speaks to us in a similar way as it did to people hundreds of years ago, there's a story worth hearing there. And it's more Mm -hmm. than just a good story. Mm -hmm. It's more than just a good, like, wow, that's a happy ending, or that's a cool plot twist. There's something that speaks to us deep within us, deep within the human part of ourselves. Um, and there's a reason why, you know, there's a reason why we flock to Marvel films and there's a reason why we, not us in general, but yeah, just like me. people. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, I'll watch one, but yeah, anyway, that's a, that's yeah. a rabbit trail. I that think a rabbit trail, but, but there's a reason why we, we flock to these stories of these demigods, right? I mean, that's what they are. They're, 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 I mean, there's literally a Norse demigod in there, Thor. And like, people are still fascinated by these stories, right? What, what is this? Um, all that being said, I think the greatest, one of the greatest stories ever told is the divine comedy by Dante. Hmm. And a lot of people had to read the Inferno in high school or middle school, probably not middle school. I uh, think Ru- I saw the movie, uh, starring Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was like Dante's vol- a volcano. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people have read the Inferno and think that they have a grasp on what the Divine Comedy is about based off of their reading of the Inferno. And when in fact, I think you have, I think the magnum opus of Dante is Purgatorio, uh, which is the middle book in the Divine Comedy. Um, for those who aren't familiar, he was an Italian. He wrote this, I think, in like the 1300s. And a lot of this is metaphor. A lot of it has creeped into even religious thought, though, uh, modern religious thought. A lot of what we view about a lot of things come from Dante's interpretation. Um, but the uh, in his sort of worldview, you know, below the earth was, was the inferno, hell. Then you climb out of hell and you reach the bottom of the mountain of purgatory. And the interesting thing about purgatory is these are the people who grace is offered to them. Um, forgiveness is offered to them, but they keep themselves in this position of purgatory. It's their own decision to not, to not accept the love of God that keeps them on the mountain of purgatory. Mm. And one of the metaphors I find so powerful, um, psychologically in this story, which they're all over the place, the psychological metaphors are all over the place in the story is the higher you climb, the steeper the mountain gets, the easier it is to climb. Because you're climbing towards the summit, which is where paradise is. Mm-hmm. And so you have Dante and Virgil, right? Um, Virgil from the Aeneid, which is a Greek, a Greek uh, poem. And as they're climbing the mountain of purgatory, it's, uh, it becomes easier to climb. And, and there might be details here I, I'm, I miss. I'm sorry, guys. But um, Dante, uh, 
he has these people, right? Like he, he represents different types of sins, right? In the life, in, in people's lives. Like what was it that they were ruled by and what was it they can't forgive themselves for in a sense. And he's coming up on this cliffside and they're overlooking the cliff off the mountain of purgatory. And they're sitting on the edge of the cliff and they're like leaning up against one another and their eyes are sewed shut and Dante's asking Virgil, well, who are these people? And Dante says, they're the envious. And he explains, you know, just like in their life, they could not see the beauty in front of them. They can't see the beauty in this life. Their eyes are sewed shut to this view in front of them. And because they were so envious of their neighbor, they did not lean on their neighbor. In this life, they are leaning against one another to support themselves so they don't fall off the cliff, essentially. And so you have these people who in life could not appreciate beauty, could not appreciate the joy and the things they had because they were so jealous of what their neighbor had that they were kind of stuck in that position even in the afterlife. So that would, that's mm. one of those that from, from purgatory that has just stood with me, that just has stuck with me over the last, since two years ago since I read it read that one for the first time. Um, it's very, very powerful. You know, it's a very powerful metaphor for what we do to ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, what we do to ourselves in this life when we refuse to see the beauty in front of us. I think of that often. I haven't read the book, obviously, but since you brought that up and shared that probably close to a year ago, I think of that often and in, in, in about living in the moment and seeing beauty and experiencing the things around you, I think of eyes sewn shut all the time. I think that ties right into 0400 too, you know? When when was that story conceived? 700 years ago. 700 years ago. What year was that? It's like 1400 something. I, I think, yeah, I think it was like late 1300s. Is that technically medieval times? Yeah. So 700 years ago, gosh, just like how true is that story mm-hmm. and relevant? Yeah. And I mean, my, my wheels are turning. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seems like we're, that's exactly what 0400 circles around is this idea of climbing the mountain, the journey of life and all the metaphors and everything on the way. So what about, you know, someone's listening and they're like, how do I ensure I don't become one of those people? If you had to answer succinctly in the most pithy way possible, someone walked up to you on the street and said, I don't want to live life with my eyes sewn shut. What would you tell them? Keep them open. How? Pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How, how that yeah. exactly. That's how the whole point. It, yeah. How do you keep your eyes open? How do you stay awake? Cause I think that's the deepest question. And one of the most important, but yeah, I think to answer your question fairly, the first thing that came to my mind was, was tell the truth mm. The you know, the truth is the light in the dark. It helps us see. So, I mean that this could be another rabbit trail. I don't know, but, uh, this is something I've just kind of marinated on this idea of truth and the reason not to lie. Uh, those of us that know uh, the work of Jordan Peterson, um, it, one of the things that, and I don't even know where I'm pulling this from. I've watched so many hours of his <laughs> lectures at this point. 
but he talks about this idea of, um, I think it was in 12 rules for life. He talked study about telling the truth. Don't lie. And that started me started this whole like deeper layer of thinking about what, what it means to tell the truth. And we're all taught don't lie because lying is wrong, but we don't really understand ever why. I think I think I'm beginning to understand there's deeper layers to why that's quote unquote wrong. And we, we channel it through morality. Uh, like, Hey, this is right. And this is wrong. And if you lie, that's wrong. That's bad. Shame on you. And that's kind of how I'll just speak for myself that I feel like in many ways, that's how I, uh, digest, digested that growing up. And I'm starting to see deeper layers to what it, the reasons why we tell the truth. And as a, as a psychotherapist for seven years now, uh, that's what it's all about is the truth is what sets us free. And it sometimes it hurts like hell to look at the thing. Thinking is good. Seeing is better. It's, it's all about opening your eyes. Mm. And I think one of the deepest reasons to tell the truth now is because we all live in so many false narratives. So this isn't a lie of like, hey, did you take the cookie out of the cookie jar? No. This is like, um, when I tell you who I am and what I've been through and what's important to me, am I telling the truth? Or is there, are there layers of self-censorship mm-hmm. over top of that? Are there false narratives and false beliefs baked in there at the deepest level? Because if there is, if, if at, if at my core, at, at the, the very center of my heart and programming, if, if what I believe is untrue in any way, then I'm going to be enslaved by that. That's what I've learned. So yeah, I think opening eyes is about telling the truth, Mm. how to keep your eyes open, tell the truth. Uh, uh, Yeah. I think that's what I would say. Mm. Yeah. That the truth will set you free. What a strange phrase. You know, it's like, and I mean, you think about like, like Jesus saying that, right? And how telling the truth literally led to his death. Like, but is that freedom? For everyone else, I suppose. For everyone else, but also like for him, you know, like this is, there's something about telling the truth that mystically the mystically does something to your soul right like and also and just in a practical manner it's like you know when you're weaving lies when you're weaving lies like even just remembering what lie you told what person Mm -hmm. like that's that's bondage Mm -hmm. because you can't be yourself first off you're not free to be you out of fear of being exposed but you're also like just constantly trying to figure out, well, what have I told this person that's untrue? You know, just on a more practical manner. It's, it's, you are building a web for yourself that's hard to escape from. But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's something that transcends even the physical and mental into the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're talking about death, mm. you know, and transcendence. This idea of entropy and rebirth it's amazing because it's everywhere. It's obvious. It's crazy how the obvious things are the things that we don't see often. Yeah. That makes me think of, you you know, you mentioned that about, um, 
uh, something, you know, Jesus being about, uh, you know, setting people free by, free by the truth. And that makes me think of like the trial of Socrates mm. and how he, um, he stood by the truth to his own death and he considered that freedom. Mm-hmm. That was the choice. Uh, and at the point you can choose, you're free. I think it's that simple. But yeah, that we're, we're talking about some very, very deep things here, obviously. Um, and I think this is actually really important, if I may, uh, as far as 0400 and what we're about as the podcast for dreamers is, is what we're saying. And, um, and this idea of dreaming and we're talking about waking our, or opening our eyes and waking ourselves up in order to dream, which is why we meet at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're dreaming with our eyes open which is a, a paradigm shift. Other people dismiss things like they call it like, Oh, daydreaming, get your head out of the clouds. Uh, don't do that. Get your feet on the ground and see if you can stretch out tall enough where you can cap, have your head in the clouds at the same time. But this idea, this is so true because I feel like we kind of have to rip it off, man. I read at the beginning, if we're going to start this conversation about dreaming and what it means to be alive and, and live to the fullest, uh, we have to, I mean, we, we're going to, we're going to run straight into the concept of death and the existential clock that's ticking. And so I think, you know, nobody wants to talk about death, but that's the point. It's, it's, it must be addressed. And so perhaps addressing it right up front is quite appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what you want to speak into that or anything, but, uh, but here we are. So. Well, I'll just add one thing. We'll start nice and light. You know what I mean? regards to death yeah. <laughs> is, I was talking about this with my wife yesterday, is that death doesn't have to be sorrowful, like you're mentioning. It's what's always been and what will always be until a new world is created. And you can either, that can either give you anxiety or it can give you freedom. I choose freedom. I choose to use that experience in knowing memento mori. Remember you will die to get one more kiss from my kid, to do one more bedtime story, to soak in one other moment with my wife because they could die tomorrow or tonight when they fall asleep and I could as well. And that's a beautiful place to live in the acceptance of a life intentionally lived. I can't help but think about that Jason Isbell song, If We Were Vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the second verse of that song is probably the best verse ever written. Can you sing it? Um, Spencer is a wicked singer. <laughs> I, can, I can. You don't have to. It's vulnerable. You totally you know, don't have just, to. Let me just say it for now. <laughs> okay. It's one of those things that like, yeah, yeah. I just love hearing your your sweet, sweet voice. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember all this. If we were vampires and death was a joke, we'd just sit on the front porch and smoke and laugh at all the lovers and their plans, and I wouldn't feel the need to hold your hand. Hmm. Maybe time running out is a gift. I work hard till the end of my shift and give you every second that I find and pray it isn't me that's left behind. And then the chorus is... Um, 
at the end of it, it says, maybe we'll get 40 years together, but one day you'll be gone and one day I'll be gone. And it's like the idea of time running out gives the small moments, gives our dreams value because it is finite. And I think that, I think that when we think through these things, like we're all searching for immortality, right? Essentially, like in, in our hearts, it's like, oh, I just, you know, we're all about leaving a legacy. We're all about like living forever in some way or form. I mean, I think about Achilles, you know, uh, once again, one of these stories in the Iliad, you know, Achilles was the, the son of a god and was so attached to his honor um, because someone had wronged him that he let his wrath drive him to to his death, but he would be remembered forever. Mm-hmm. He'd be remembered forever, and he died. Throughout the ages, Throughout people the ages. will know my name. Yes. I never forget a, a Brad Pitt character. <laughs> <laughs> and and he played Achilles pretty well, uh-huh. honestly, um, from, the, from the real story. Hey, if you're going to have Achilles be played by somebody, come on, Brad Pitt in his yeah. prime, yes, please. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting because he was offered the choice to you know go home and live out a life, a happy life. But it was more important to him that he be remembered. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm not saying that, that that's, you know, the wrong decision. I don't know. I think there's, there's a lot of intense, you know, philosophical musing in that book. I do know that he let his wrath and his rage, it's, it's essentially a book about rage. Um, and mm. anyways, that's another rabbit trail, but what were we talking about? Is We're talking about death, death. Burns off the old chaff oh, and yeah. make way for the new. Yeah, so it, it's just it's very interesting. Like we're talking about death, you guys. Right. So, <laughs> right. so it's just, come on board. Yeah, it's great. But that that idea being that time running out makes the things that we're doing mm, worthwhile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vampires. Um, vampires. Yeah. Like, vampires. What are they? What are they all about? I mean, the classic archetypal vampire is hedonistic because there's nothing else. Yeah, it's all about that momentary pleasure, um, and I think that we're searching for something different. I think it's also very interesting that vampires sleep during the day. Mm-hmm. There's something. There's something about like, there's something about that that I haven't thought about until just now that we could probably explore. But they sleep when the sun's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The what what I like about them. the Not light? Do they? Yeah, yeah. The light. The light. The burns light them. burns them. Crazy. The light represents truth. Isn't it amazing how meaning is everywhere if your eyes are open mm. and your heart is open? Uh, yeah. What the, when I think of death in 0400, and I think this is actually one of the first things that we had talked about. One of the first five minutes. No, it was the first five minute share. The first time we ever met, uh, I played a video clip of um, Dead Poets Society. Mm. And Robin Williams, it was a movie in the early 90s, maybe even late 80s. It was old. Uh, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, man. Watch that movie. Any Robin Williams movie, for that matter. Uh, and I'll mention many of them. But this one in particular, it was a scene, it was a clip in the movie right at the beginning. He, uh, Robin Williams plays a character that's a, basically a teacher at a, a private prep school, kind of one of those... Uh, expensive and this took place in like the 60s I think uh, 50s or 60s and so he was this teacher of poetry at this real uptight boarding school for boys Uh, 
one of those real kind of snobbery type snob type of zombie type type of places. And he was just one of those guys. He's later in his life, and all he cares about is just um, poetry and and the basically like like squeezing poetry, almost like it drips honey in, into his mouth. Mm-hmm. That's how much that's how passionate he is about life and, and and squeezing the juice out of it. So he's got a bunch of these adolescent boys that um, are here at this boarding school, and he's trying to instill in them like wake up, wake up to this if you dare. And the scene was, uh, they were walking through the, the trophy room, uh, noticing all of the black and white pictures of, of all the boys that have been here before them. And there was like pictures of like boys, a class of like in like 1870 or something like that. Uh, just a real grainy black and white picture. And they're just looking at all these photos and, uh, Robin Williams's character, uh, the teacher was, and I can't remember his character's name at the moment. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But he started talking about this idea of carpe diem. Like, literally take a moment, boys, and look into the eyes of each of these boys. And know, as you're looking into their eyes, that they're all pushing up daisies right now. Hmm. They're worm food. They are not here now in the way that we know what it means to be here. And so, life is a vapor. And as you're looking into the eyes on the in the photos, uh, Robin Williams' character, as they were doing this, Robin Williams' character just starts going, hear their cries. I'm paraphrasing. Hear, they have their whole life ahead of them. They're just your age. Right now, what's going through your mind, what's going through theirs? Just look at them. You really just made it real. And they have life, they have uh, ambitions, perhaps, maybe dreams, perhaps, maybe all these things they want to accomplish, perhaps. Maybe some of them did, maybe some of them didn't. But they're worm food now. It's the time ran out, either way. And he starts uh, whispering as they're looking at this in this very solemn kind of moment. Carpe diem. Which, of course the famous phrase from ancient history sees the day. It's the YOLO of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. YOLO. Yeah. I hate that word, but yeah, totally. And that's what I think of when I think of death. And that is above all, I would say that is the thing that has always haunted me is, am I making the most of this? Am I alive? Am I wasting it? And, um, when I think of death, of course we don't want to dwell on death because we can become morbid in that way, but we have to touch in on it. And I love the the stoic tradition of, of once a day, you know, those guys would put like skulls on their desk, Hmm. you know, so that they had to deal with it. And it wakes you up, man. If you realize that this is all going to be over very, very soon, it makes us, it forces us to wake up to the moment. And I think, so that's why I think thinking about death, or to not think about death and instead of uh, seize the day, it becomes, and our culture is, I think, done, ran with this, unfortunately, is instead of living in the moment, we've learned how to live for the moment, which, mm-hmm. which I think leads to that uh, sensuality and hedon- the hedonistic momentary pleasure. And hey, I love momentary pleasure. 
but when we don't have something when we don't have something cast into the future anchored in the past then all we have is the moment and we lose grasp of any kind of meaning and any kind of memory memory from the past or memory from the future and so for me that's death is the deepest thing and it's worth reckoning and i think it's a grave error not to and of course it's totally understandable why people wouldn't scary it's scary but it wakes us up dude anchored in the past casting into the future did you make that up that just kind of came out dude that is genius fantastic one of the things well yeah it's amazing and one of the things i love about jujitsu jujitsu plug is you face your death every day you don't realize how easily you can die Hmm. until you get (laughs) some black belt brown belt their hands on you and you realize suddenly you're helpless and there's like this really really tough and humiliating act of submission in jujitsu where you have to let your ego go and say if this were real if this were in a real fight i would be dead Hmm. i tap out i submit to you the person who bested me right there's something in it that like forces you if you if you have your eyes open. I think once again, almost anything in this world um, can be done without intention in the sense like you can approach almost anything and just do it just because you're doing it. But there's a difference because at the same way, almost everything in this world can be done with intention and you can apply your mind and your imagination and your will to things in a way that creates meaning and makes you more aware. And that's why I think that jujitsu can be with intention, a very powerful tool for healing for people. Hmm. Um, it forces you to let go of your own self because you realize you are helpless, but you don't have to be, um, Hmm. you can, you can take control over yourself. And the, the reality sometimes, you know, with some of the white belts that I'm working with and, I, I tell them they come in, they're frustrated, they're they have a tough class, they get submitted all the time. And I say, would if you were to clone yourself right now, or clone yourself, you know, six months ago when you started, and that person walked in, would you beat them? Hmm. Like, yeah, I'd That's crush right. them. Yeah, you would beat yourself six months ago really badly. You would crush them. And isn't that what we're all trying to do? It's like we're trying to be better than we were yesterday. And we're really in competition with ourselves. Um, and we're also facing, you know, the fact that one day the competition will come to an end. But in the meantime, we press on. We pay attention. We do our best to remain self-aware and approach life with intention. And so I think that, once again, just jujitsu is so good at so many things it makes you trustworthy because you have to people tap and you have to let go it makes you be able to trust people because when you tap they let go it there's there's so much to it um but one of the things that i find most valuable is that when i let myself face the reality that in this moment anywhere else i'd be dead right then it just takes on a whole new light, whole new meaning. Um, you have to you have to face your death. You have to remember your death, 
even in a way that's pretty fun with your friends. Mm-hmm. You can you look you look at death and you just kind of laugh at it. That's it. And I that I have to now say this quote from Gladiator from Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius. And that's not what I was going to do, but uh, where he talks about. Um, I can't remember exactly where it is in the movie at this point, but uh, he talks about the idea of death and how death smiles at us all. Mm. And all we can do is smile back. And he learned that from one of his mentors. I think Marcus Aurelius actually. Uh, And so for those who don't know is like one of the leading founders of stoicism, stoic philosophy of remember you meditations. uh, Of course, there's many great ones. Seneca is one of my faves, uh, but meditations by Marcus Aurelius is a mandatory read uh, in this, in this book club. So, yep. Uh, yeah, so that makes me think of uh, this idea, and one of the best pictures I have of this that you just said that just went right into my mind. My mind thinks in pictures a lot, and so um, again, older older reference, but uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one it was, but there's this great epic battle happening, and Legolas and Gimli uh, were having the time of their lives, and they were it, it was grim. Uh, and I think Legolas has an advantage because I think he's immortal at some level. Well, they can die. They don't age, but they can die. Okay. Well, yes, the stakes were real then. Uh, but they were counting how many orcs they were killing. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this fun thing. That e- even in the gravest of circumstances, they were grinning. They were like smiling about it. And that right there is something I, maybe I'll never attain it, but that's a, certainly a life ambition of mine to 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 embody that at some level or certainly if, if, if nowhere else, one moment in my life when it counts. Mm. And so, uh, yeah. So I think I'm spiraling out off of your trail there, but I'm, but I love that idea that, Hey, this is, this can be grim, but it doesn't have to not be fun too. Yeah. Because it's, it doesn't end in death. And of course in this realm of dreamers and what it means to be a dreamer, we're going to be exploring lots of different things. And I just want to maybe just throw this out here that, uh, the realm of spirituality is, of course, a part of this. And so spirituality is one of those words that can mean different things to different people, you know. So I'd be happy to explore all of that. And uh, because people have left breadcrumbs mm-hmm. for thousands of years now, Marcus Aurelius being one of them, but many others. And the information's out there. And if you go and, f- and follow these breadcrumbs, a lot of them are saying the same thing. There's some themes going on here which is actually quite comforting to see. And one of those themes is, is this idea of rebirth, this idea of um, sacrifice for a noble cause, for love, the noblest of causes, and finding something on the other side of that, of that death, um, where the stakes are the highest, and you don't know what's on the other side, but, but people throughout time have all said this uh, and I've experienced it to some degree so far in my life is death is not the end. It doesn't seem to be that way. Now I'm obviously alive. I haven't died yet. At least in my body, but I think about um, like we're in, in, uh, in scripture, it it says uh, that God has written eternity on the heart of man. So there's no escaping it. Uh, It's either a, a total setup that we're striving for something that's a total illusion or it's very meaningful and poetic and ambitious and incredibly beautiful. 
mm-hmm. this idea of rebirth of Phoenix from the ashes of being born again. And so that to me is why death doesn't scare me any longer because I don't believe in it. Uh, these bodies will die. Yes. And for no one knows what happens on the other side. This is where we, we step into the chasm. We, we need to construct a bridge or a leap of faith. And for me, that's just everything in my body. And I could be wrong. We'll see. But everything in my body is like, yeah, yep. This is a, um, it's almost like a test. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's on the other side. Can you come to the end of yourself and everything that that means? So with what you're experiencing today, I feel like a funeral can be like a summer camp, summer camp spirituality where, you know, I grew up in the Southern Baptist church where people would go to summer camp and ex- have these high highs of spirituality and spiritual experiences and then leave with nothing. Once they got back home, nothing was integrated. I, whether it be all for show or just caught up in the moment. How do you treat this situation, this funeral with intentionality, whether this is for someone who's listening and about to experience something similar, how do they have the intentionality where they can learn something from this and take it with them and integrate it? And Spencer, how do you, how are you going to intentionally partake in this funeral and integrate it yourself? Well, I I was about to say something and I think it ties in. Go ahead. In that, um, I wonder if the fear of death is what gives it its power in the sense that I look at the world and yeah, things die brutally. That's nature. But there's this symbiosis in the way it works, right? Like a deer eats a leaf, you know, or eats a, eats a blueberry. Let's say a deer eats a berry, poops out the seed and the berry grows, right? Which the deer eats. Or a squirrel, you it's know. Gross. Yeah, it is gross. Or a squirrel eats a nut, you know, and then also lives in the tree and then also carries the nut and buries it to, and to eat later and then doesn't come back for it and a tree is born. Not only that, when the bodies decompose, it creates the nutrients that allow the plants to grow, which give us the oxygen to breathe, which they process and create more oxygen. It's just there's this fascinating dance of nature and death is at the center of it. You know, death and rebirth. It's like it's like the fundamental natural pattern is death and rebirth. So of course mm-hmm. the thinking the thinking apes us, right? We we are thinking through these things and seeing it in nature and seeing it within ourselves. And and we're archetypally representing it in art and in story. And I think that it is that and it's also more. And I think I've you know, this is a, a faith statement for me that there is more than just the metaphor that there is a physical and spiritual rebirth in some form. Right. Um, and when we look, I I think of, you know, CS Lewis out of the silent planet, you know, his space trilogy, one of his lesser known works, he, in the story, he goes to Mars. Um, it has a different name in the story. Uh, this was, you know, he wrote it in like the thirties. It's crazy. Um, but he, these humans go to Mars and meet a unfallen race of beings that live in perfect harmony with nature and they are sentient just like us, but they have no fear of death 
and tragedy happens. Like, like one will drown or one will fall off a cliff, but it isn't mourned in the same way as we mourn. And there's, there's a attitude towards death that just recognizes it as a part of the journey and not the end point. And so I think that tying this into the funeral or funerals in general with, with this person whose funeral I'm going to, they are someone who, with a faith statement, would, I would say that is in a place of fullness, and so we mourn because we miss, but not because it's hopeless. The rebirth has happened, and it is happening all around us, in us, in nature outside. And you, we can look at death, and we can recognize that the tragedy is. It exists but it does not have the final word. Um, and so for this, I, I think just for this person, just celebrate their life. Celebrate, celebrate their new life. You know, celebrate what is, what has come of their life. The people that were impacted. The lives changed. These sort of things that it always seems like the good ones go young for some reason. It happens all the time. Impactful people. They just, you know, and it's like, why, why is that? Maybe because there's just a different level to seize, you know, that we, that just doesn't come naturally to people. Um, I know that's not the case all the time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, a ton of people that are life changers and, and world shakers live to be very old, you know? Um, but just in general, you know, for this for this situation, it, it's just very interesting. So I think that just approaching it once again with an intention to celebrate, not, you know, just like I miss a friend that lives far away. You know, I, I mourn because I miss, but not because there's not hope. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask. There's again, I'm still figuring this out. Like, cause I, I am a counselor and it's also kind of who I am. And so this is one of those moments where I, obviously I'm not counseling you, but you you know what I mean? As in the counseling world, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't want to, this is not about me and I don't want to dig in or be inappropriate in any way. But one of the things having experienced death to some degree in my life, one of the things that I just want to offer is that um, everything that you just said is beautiful and true. Uh, and also, in the same breath, when when I've been down in, in the depths of grief, uh, dealing with the absolute terror and horror of losing somebody that I love deeply, everybody comes in and rallies, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is what friends and family do is they come in and rally and everyone's going to have their own way to do that. And it's all well-intentioned usually. And it's usually all totally unhelpful. <laughs> and, and one of the things, you know, like death is a part of life and all that. Look at the silver lining and, you know, he really went for it and, you know, he died doing what he loves and all those things are beautiful and true. 
And in the same breath, one of the most comforting things anyone, no, not one of the most comforting thing that anyone said to me, uh, when I lost my sister was, it was literally a Bible quote. And I don't know the, the actual, uh, text. I'm really bad with numbers, but it was the quote, two words and one of the shortest verses in the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Jesus wept. And this is, this came from a mentor of mine. He was a, a mentor growing up and hadn't talked with him in years, but he's, but he, it's a really, um, I look up to this man a lot in many ways. His name's Scott. And he just sent me that in a text. Nonchalant. Maybe it was nonchalant on his part. I don't know, but that was the most comforting thing for me because it gave me permission to weep Mm. because as much as there's this eternal part of my heart, there is another part of me that's enraged mm. by this. Uh, and it just hurts so badly to be ripped away from somebody that you love in a very, very, very tangible way. And so I, that's the, that's the one thing just coming from my heart. So take a little yeah. grain of salt. You don't have, this is not advice or anything you do you. Uh, but I, my hope is, is that, um, whatever happens today that there's space for, um, just the truth in it. Yeah, I, man, I, I hear that. And it's one of those things like, haven't known this guy for long, but he made an impact on me. Does that make sense? Like he's one of those guys that you meet and quickly you're like, wow, this, there's something special about this person that I think if it were my brother, like was your sister, it'd be different because I do think at the end of the day, death death is still an enemy. I do do feel that at the end of the day. And we should be enraged by it. So I hear that. Um, I take it. Yeah. I feel like that's what all disorder is. Chaos and order. I feel like that's what all disorder is. If I were to distill it down into one essence, it's grief. It's unresolved grief. I think that's it. I think it breaks us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's intentionality that comes behind that. I think in these, in these moments, I had a, I haven't dealt with a ton of death in my life, but there was a moment when I was in college where I think I lost six or seven family members over the course of, it was like 13 months. It was fast. And what I gained from that most is just a level and probably where I got a level of intentionality of just facing death over and over and over again and being a support system. And that memento mori stuck with me and maybe why I have an intentionality of life so young is that just that reminder and it reevaluates things if you want it to of what, where am I now? And if I am a tragedy, and I do die tomorrow, young even. Is this what I want to do? You know, I, I've been listening through Steve Jobs' memoir, and it's beautiful, inspiring, and haunting. Because hmm. he, throughout his life, knew he was going to die early. He says, I, I just know I'm going to die early. I know I'm going to die early. And he took that 
and created these like incredible companies. You know, he started Apple, he got fired from it, started another computer company that got acquired by Apple later on and he became CEO again after being pushed out by the same company. And while he was starting that computer company, he also started Pixar and created Toy Story, one of the first like insane animated movies that we've uh, that we grew up with, you know? He did all that. So he's just an artist and he, he wanted to manifest things that were beautiful and of quality. And I respect that so much. But he also took that intentionality and, and made it about creation, like creating something. And he also disregarded his family entirely. And that's, that's taking it to a, another completely different level, you know, of intentionality. But when you're surrounding yourself with family, and experiencing these moments of death, you know, asking yourself, is this where I want to be? You know, in my job, with what I'm doing, with who I'm around, with my family, with my relationships, having that level of intentionality and taking that with you. Who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? That's it. And I think this is a great way to tie a bow on it. Because I realize, I think we're getting to the end of the time here. I want to be respectful of your time mm-hmm. uh, in regards to getting to the funeral and everything today. Um, the whole point of thinking about death seriously is to awaken yourself to life. Because this isn't about death. Death is not the subject of this story. It's the adversary. It's the test, you know? And what I love is um, the text of, I think this is in Romans, where it talks about how suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, I mean, it's all invitation, because suffering can also produce depravity and nihilism. Mm. But it's invitations. There's four stages. But if you're suffering, and guess what? Spoiler alert, we're all going to find it. It's going to find us. Uh, if we're suffering, then we have an invitation to persevere. And if we do that, then that is going to build character. It leads to character. And if we get there, then that produces hope. And I think that's kind of what it's all about. Because when we're in despair, when we're despairing this idea of death and our end coming to an end, um, what I love about that is if we cultivate character, by choosing to accept it and, and endure it and find me a leap of faith that there has to be something in here. Then we produce character and character produces hope. And so if, if I'm ever feeling hopeless, then it, it just kind of, I'd all I have to do is reverse engineer that. Uh, all this to say, I'm going to of course have to end with one of my favorite quotes. And this is a quote from a very historic character named, uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, no, Braveheart. William Wallace. William Wallace. And of course, this is a famous quote. It's on movie posters and everything else. But one of the things that that character said, and I have Scottish uh, ancestry, so this is like a chess beating movie for me. Uh, but one of the things that he said in that movie is, or in the story, based on a true story, uh, is that um, every man dies but not every man truly lives. And so this was in like the big 
battle scene when he was everyone was leaving and tail tucked and he kind of rallied everybody great moment in, in cinema history and i really hope it happened in real life too but um but yeah we're all gonna die every single one of us we're gone and it's it's not gonna take long by the way and so and one thing that i've noticed is the older i get the faster it goes and it's so mysterious why that happens and i'm trying to explore that so i can slow it down so i can be here uh but all this to say we're all gonna die and you know, in a few generations, no one's going to even know our name on earth, likely, unless they happen to have a thing for ancestry.com or something like that. Uh, but a great grandparents, I mean, how many great parents, I mean, I don't even, if I'm honest, I don't even know their names. There has to be a John in there somewhere because of my dad's name. Um, but yeah, so this is all about life and waking up to life. So this is actually about romance. And the thing about romance is romance can easily lead into eagerness. And that's great the eager lover, but that can also easily run right into folly. And this is a personal story for me uh, cause that's the way I went. And, uh, and that's how I ended up here is it, it led me right to my, to a death of sorts. So this is all about life. This is all about life. And I'm so glad w- with what we're doing here and I'm excited to kick this journey off with you guys. Yeah. This is the O 400 podcast episode two. Who so, are you? What do you want? Where are you going? And I guess to summarize this episode, death is the enemy and a gift. So memento mori, huh? I'm good with that. Peace. See ya. Bye.